The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Hope for that. And there isn't a, there's a sort of like, is it going to happen? Isn't it going to happen? Perhaps something a bit more close to home. I hope my Amazon order is actually going to arrive before Christmas. That, that's a hope. There's, a, there's an element, a real element of uncertainty about that. It's actually said that those people who work for Amazon, they call them the Amazon elves, if they're going off sick, they're threatened with uh, actually being sacked because they need so many people to work for Amazon at that time. Anyway, that's a slight aside. We won't worry about that. But there is a hope, and in the English language, there is an element of understanding that when we use that phrase, we're not talking about something that is rock solid. We're talking about something that actually is a bit shaky. Maybe. Maybe it will happen. But when we come to the Bible, that's not the way that hope should be looked at. There's not an uncertainty about it. Hope is that we have a steadfast assurance in the promises of God that what he has said shall come to pass. And we fix our hope in this is what is going to happen. It becomes a solid thing. It's something that you can anchor your life on. It's something that you can be strong in because it is a hope not that is uncertain, but it is a hope that is founded on the promises of God. Now, I know that some people can say like, well, you Christians, there's a certain arrogance about you. And in a sense, that comes from this hope, an arrogance that says, no, no, this is what is going to happen. We are believing that the God who has created all things, the one who is over all things, the one who can help us and sustain us, the one that can meet our needs, the one that can help us in the midst of our difficulties and our problems, that God and his promises will carry us through to the end. And we have a steadfast assurance in that. So let's look at a few of our points today. Point number one, what does hope do? What does hope do? And we've got three things that we're going to look at here. First of all, what does hope do? It brings us rest. Now, when we're talking about an uncertainty, then we're a little bit, as it were, on, on tender hooks, or we're a bit nervous. We're, we're a bit like that. We're not certain when something is uncertain. We can't be definite. We, we, we want to know where we are. And when we know where we are, oh, that's better. Okay. Like the plans you've got for Christmas. Are they coming to lunch or aren't they coming to lunch? I wish they'd let me know. When they finally let you know, okay, at least I know how many people I'm catering for. We'll worry about whether they're that awful auntie or uncle at a later stage. It brings us a certain sense of, okay, I know where I am. And you know what? With God, God has promised us an outcome for our lives. Therefore, instead of us having to struggle and strive, and let's be honest, 
Every day, people are struggling and striving in their lives to try to find something of value in life, something that is rock solid, something that has real meaning to it. And people are giving themselves to extra hours of work, they're giving themselves to all sorts of things, all manner of activities, just so that they can feel that they are preserving or gaining something out of their lives. But when it comes to God, we can trust completely in the fact that he has promised he will be with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Even through to the very end of the age, he is going to be with us. And he has promised us a future with him in heaven. And that builds a security and a stillness within our lives because we can trust in what he has said that that will come true. In Romans 8.32 it says this, He, this is talking of God, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, freely give to us all things? That's hope. You see, if God sent His Son Jesus to die for us, He's saying if He, if he was prepared to send Jesus that there's nothing that he's not going to be prepared to do for us. Now, in all honesty, let's come to a place in our lives right now of thinking like, what is the stuff that's going on in your world that's causing you anguish? The things, is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? When am I going to get a breakthrough here? When is my health going to improve? All of those things that are pressing against us. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Maybe you've come here this morning and you do not have peace. You do not have rest in your soul. It's time for you to realize that it's time for you to get your life connected to this almighty God. Because God, he is the one who can bring rest to us. What does hope do to us? It can bring rest to us. What does it also do? It brings joy. Because when we find that we're no longer struggling and striving, but there is a rest, there is a peace that comes upon our souls, then we can find joy in that. As we're looking at God who is doing these wonderful things for us, He is the source that we are finding gives us strength, and that strength can root and cause our feet to be firm. It doesn't mean that every problem or circumstance has changed around us, but in the midst of that we can walk through. Well, didn't you hear that from Yemi's testimony? His testimony is that my dad died. And that causes our world to be shaken. Our dads can become a focal figure. You may contact your father regularly or not necessarily regularly. There may be difficulties in the way that your father treated you, but nevertheless, a father figure is an important figure in our lives. And when that figure goes, there is a sense of loss. But it wasn't just a sense of loss for for Yemi, it was a sense of my dad had cancer and we as a Christian family were praying for him that God would intervene. But his dad still died. And so suddenly you're thinking, like, God, what is all that about? But you see, in the midst of those circumstances, when we fix our eyes upon God and when we trust in him, he can carry us through the difficulties and give us strength and Yemi talked of a peace and a joy that he can feel in his heart because God is with us. His love is being made known to us. What does hope do? It brings rest to us and that rest helps us to be at peace and that peace enables us with gazing upon Jesus 
to find joy in our lives. And thirdly, what does hope do? Hope drives us through our present difficulties. It carries us through our present difficulties. I remember now, I changed that this morning. <laughs> We're going to read a quick passage together from uh, 1 Peter. It's going to come up on the screen for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in this, you greatly rejoice. There's joy in the midst of that hope and in holding on to God of what he's going to do. Though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls. The goal of our faith really is this hope that we're holding on to. That at the end of all things, exactly what we believe for, that is exactly what is going to come to pass. And there is a security for us in that. But what we see with Peter is he is trying to explain to those that he is writing to that actually this hope that we've been given is something that will help to carry us through circumstances. Even though we feel things pressing against us, we can stand and we can believe, ah, but God is still for me. God has declared he will love me and he will care for me and his promises will help me even though I am struggling at this time. And we need to come back to the promises of God. We need to come back to the reality of who God is every single day. I find in my own life there is great pressure that comes against us to keep on saying, do you really believe that? Is God really for you? Can he really do those things? And we have to stand against that pressure and say, no. This morning I came down to the kitchen, it was early, I looked out the window and there were stars in the sky. And I was just thinking to myself, what, you know, how do the stars light up? You know, I don't know why I suddenly thought that. But you think, like, it is amazing. Because these stars were, were shining brightly. There are others that just don't seem to be quite as bright, but these stars are shining brightly. And I thought to myself, well, it's, it's amazing. And I thought, but it's not the sun that makes those shine. You know how the moon shines? We know that the moon shines because it's a reflection of the sun. Those stars are other suns. Far, far away. Millions and millions of miles. We know what the sun is. And we experience the sun, and we think like, wow, the sun is awesome. There it is in the sunshine, when it's out and it's in full, uh, it, we can see it completely, then you get heat from it. And in the summer, we, we feel that heat. We enjoy everything that the sun gives to us and what it does for us. There are millions and millions of other suns 
that are so, so far away, but they are burning brightly, and those stars that you see are those suns that are burning brightly. There's millions of them. Who put them all there? Who created all of this? It is our God. But you know what? That knowledge gets quickly taken away from us. We need to look back at that. There's a program on TV, which is the um, uh, Earth program. I forget exactly what it's called, with Attenborough. So it's all about animals. And Attenborough has certain views about how we've been created and all that sort of stuff. And you can ignore that, because when you're looking at what he's showing you, you see these creatures, and you just are marveled at the way they have been made. I saw the one about the ibex, and there's pictures of this animal literally on a sheer cliff edge, running around as though nothing matters. That's just my life. I'm up here. I don't care. I haven't got a care in the world. I'm just jumping here and jumping there. Whereas if it was you or me, you'd be thinking like, whoa, look how, how high this is, how dangerous this is. The reason I say these things is because, you know what, when you see that, you think, yes, that's awesome. That's majestic. That's marvelous. That's wonderful. This is God who has created all those things. Now, this God who seems at sometimes to be so far away has also said, I have chosen you, I have called you, I have purposed you, I have loved you, I have saved you. He has come to us. When we're celebrating Christmas, what are we celebrating? The fact that God, this distant God, has come down to earth because he wants to meet with us. He wants relationship with us. He wants to help us. If he who has flung the stars into space and done all of those things, I mean, you think those, su- those stars are mighty, majestic suns that are millions and millions of miles away, surely he is able to help us in the midst of our needs. You see, what does our hope do? It helps to carry us through the problems and the frustrations that we have in life. It helps to enable us to have a focus. It helps to bring us through. It doesn't mean to say there isn't a storm raging all around, but in the midst of that storm, we hear a still, small voice that enables us to walk the way that he has called us to. So that is what does hope do. Secondly, we want to look at this. How do we take hold of hope? Because there's one thing to talk about it, but how do we take hold of this hope in the midst of trials and grief of all kinds that comes against us? We need to strengthen our faith and hold on to our hope. Well, how do we take hold of hope? Firstly, we need to focus on the final goal. And I think in our days, there isn't very much focusing on the final goal. What is the final goal? Well, here is a promise that Jesus made. John 14, verses 1 to 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But hang on a second, Jesus. You don't know what's going on with us. He just said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. See how he is bringing them to a point of focus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. 
our hope, our focus should be on the fact that as Christians, we are going to heaven. There is a place where God is taking us to. It is a place of his presence. It is a place where he wants us to be. And he said to his disciples, I don't want you to be troubled. I want you to know that as I leave this earth, I am going to go and do something. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That place is in heaven. Now, I know we might say, where is heaven? Is it here? Is it there? Is it up there? What is heaven like? In Revelation 21, we read this. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Heaven is a place of great joy. Heaven is a place of the glory of God. Heaven is a place where there is no sickness, where there's no crying. Heaven is a place where we can find peace. Heaven is a place of abundance and greatness. That is the place that is put up and focused for us to press on towards. We need to remember that we are headed for that place. And that final goal we need to gaze upon. You see, what Peter was saying to his uh, disciples and those that he was writing to, he was trying to say to them, look, I understand that there's a lot coming against you. But right now, focus your attention on the end. Though you have seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. On that day, when Jesus returns and takes us to be with himself, that will be the day when final salvation will come to us. That we will know him completely, and we will be like him. We need to focus on that end goal. How do we take hold of hope? By focusing on that end goal, by remembering that we are headed for heaven. Remember that Paul said this, he said, for me to live is Christ. But then what did he say? But to die is gain. And then he went, I, I know I should stay around here, but actually he said, it would be far better for me. I, I want to go, my desire is to be with him, which is far better. You see, he had that sense of, I know what is lying ahead. And what is lying ahead is drawing me. Just as I spoke about Christmas, we're feeling drawn towards Christmas. We're feeling excited about Christmas. We're feeling expectant about Christmas. There's a hope in us. It lifts us up. We're thinking about another mince pie. Well, much glory beyond that. Paul was looking at what lies ahead. I want to be with Jesus because that is far better. There is a goal that we're headed for, and that goal is heaven. Secondly, remember the wonder of our salvation. It is because we're remembering what we're going to, we must remember what God has done for us. As, as I've already read, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Our salvation includes various things. It includes the fact that our sins are forgiven. 
There is a heaviness. There is a difficulty that can come upon us. There is a frustration as we see that there are things that hold us down or the things that we look back on in our lives that we have done, that we're embarrassed about, that we're ashamed of. We wish we hadn't have done those things. We wish we hadn't have walked that way. We wish we hadn't have done some of the things and thought some of the things that have actually happened to us. But in Christ, we can know that our sin, though it was committed, the punishment has been paid and our sin has been forgiven. The fact that your sins have been forgiven is an amazing thing. And if you do not know that because you don't have peace in your soul, then you need to find Jesus because Jesus forgives our sins. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Your sins were dealt with on the cross. And that is the work that God has done for you. So our salvation includes the fact that our sins are forgiven, but it also gives us redemption. We have been redeemed. Now, redemption is a word that is taken from the slave market. In the days gone by, when you got into debt, you didn't have a bit of plastic that could allow you to have some debt that you rolled over from one month to the next. When you got into debt and your creditors came to you, you had to pay. And if you had nothing... They would, or rather, if you had a few things, they would take those from you. If you had nothing, then the only thing you could do was to sell yourself into slavery. The only way that I can pay my debts is it's like, well, it's me. And so people were sold into slavery. And when you become a slave, you become somebody else's servant. It means that your master has the right to dictate that what you do. Good things and bad things. You are under the control of a master. Redemption is when somebody comes and says, listen, I don't want to see you locked in that slavery. You have the right to be free as anybody else has the right to be free. And they come to the master and say, how much to release that slave? Now, whatever the price is, this person says, I will pay that price so that the slave is no longer a slave but becomes a free person. That's what redemption is. So those things that seem to lock you in, those sins and those patterns of behavior in life that you don't seem to be able to shake off, they seem to bind you, they seem to have captured you. Jesus wants to tell you this, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have brought you back. I have paid the price to gain your release. What you felt was capturing you, I need you to know I have cut the chains. I have broken the restrictions. And we need to work with Jesus to find that freedom in our lives. But salvation is not only our sins forgiven. It is the fact that we have been redeemed. We are no longer slaves, but we are a free people. And we need to understand that. And it's not only redemption that we have, but we also find peace with God. Now, I've mentioned this, and, you know, at Christmas time, we talk about peace, joy, goodwill to all men. Do you know, in our world, there is so little peace. 
in our world, in the Christian's world, there's so little peace as well because there's so much striving around us. Work pressures running around. Our lives are so busy. But I'm not just talking about a stillness from those things. I'm talking about the fact that inside, people do not feel at rest. These are the people that you're working with on a day-to-day basis. Maybe you're in here this morning and you do not know a rest in your soul. Salvation brings peace to us because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when we find all sorts of pressures coming against us, we need to have that hope in Him that He brings us to that rock of Jesus that gives us a sense of peace. If you do not know peace, then I want to tell you that peace is found in right relationship with God. In Romans 5, it says there, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we come into a relationship with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we gain that peace? Well, there wasn't peace with God because of our sin. There wasn't peace because of all the things that we had done wrong. They separated us from Him. But now that He has come, and we find forgiveness in Christ, all of that is washed away. And it's wiped out. And when God's looking, well, there's no reason because of the blood of Jesus that I cannot accept you completely, utterly, fully, and I want to accept you. So now we are at peace with God. There's no striving that we need to do. We are at rest because of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. How do we take hold of hope where we remember, we remember the salvation, the wonder of the salvation that God has given to us, the fact that our sins are forgiven, the fact that we have been redeemed, and the fact that we have peace with God. And finally, how do we take hold of hope? We need to strengthen and establish our own faith. Our own faith. In Timothy, it says this, fight the good fight of the faith, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of the faith. You know, if you are thinking, and this isn't what we think of prior to Christmas, this is what we think of post-Christmas, of getting into some sort of new exercise regime, you know, when suddenly the, the New Year's resolutions are being made and all of that Christmas turkey is weighing on you and you think like, I need to do something to get fit. You know, you exercise, and you've got to exercise muscles, and it takes some energy. It means you've got to break a sweat to do that. Why is it that we think when it comes to our faith that there's nothing like that? You know what? Timothy says you've got to fight, or Paul says to Timothy, you've got to fight the good fight of the faith. You're not only warring against darkness, but as we war against darkness, we have to build our own selves up. We have to strengthen our spiritual muscles. We have to strengthen our faith. Our faith needs to be exercised. And so we're going to have to break a bit of a sweat. To strengthen and establish our faith means we need to be reading the Word of God. And I know you hear me say this often, but this book is precious. This is not just words on a paper. Well, it is words on a paper. And, it's, and it could be on your bookshelf. So therefore, it could be defined as a book. Yes, but this is living and active. This has power. And do you know what about this? God has said, I exalt above all things my name and my word. His word 
is, is held so high by God, as high as his name. What he says, he has had written down in this. If you want to understand God, then you need to come to his word. Because he has revealed himself through what has been written down in here. And that's why, even though there are stories, when you're reading the story, you can read it and you think, like, wow, I never saw that before. I can see the character of God. I can understand more about God. He reveals himself through his word. If we want to strengthen our faith, then we need to take hold of the word of God. And we need to read it. In Romans 10, 7, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And so we can strengthen ourselves. We can establish our faith. We can take hold of hope, because we're reading about hope in the scriptures. We're reading about heaven. We're reading about what God has done. We're reading about all the elements that I've been speaking of today. And therefore, as we take hold of it, it starts to build something inside of us that strengthens us and establishes us. If, if you're not reading this word, you're denying yourself. In actual fact, you're not even able to live properly. Because man doesn't only live on food only. Because you see, you're denying your spirit. You're not just a physical being, you are also a spiritual being. And you may be feeding the physical being, and the physical being may be looking forward to another mince pie, but what about the spirit man? The spirit man doesn't like mince pies, but he loves the Word of God. He loves the Word of God. And when the spirit man is fed, he grows stronger. And when the spirit man is fed, his hope increases. And when the spirit man is fed, he becomes strong and he can stand through difficulties. When the trials are coming and they're bombarding you, and they do bombard us, they bring us down. And when you're fighting against something and it's just some small thing that your brother or your sister or that colleague at work said that seems to go deep into you. And you can't find it. Why did that go so... Why am I so angry? Why am I so frustrated? Why am I so hurt by these situations? When our faith comes back to the Word of God and we're reading about how He loves us. Now, we didn't choose Him. He chose us. He chose us. So often we're looking for God, but God has come to us. The marvel of Christmas is that He sent His own Son. He didn't hold back. No wonder heaven was rejoicing when that came about. Look, if we take hold of, how do we take hold of hope? We need to strengthen and establish our faith through reading the word of God by fixing our eyes upon Jesus. Folks, you must, you must, you must listen to this. You have to find a place of dependency upon Jesus. Dependency is like, when we're talking about faith, you can't always see things, Okay? So faith, some people say, if I can get hold of faith, then God will miraculously appear. But he is the invisible God. But you know what? By faith, it's as though he does appear to us. It's as though he becomes absolutely real. He becomes one that we can find strength in, and he establishes us. But we need to fix our eyes upon him. You've got to fix your eyes upon Jesus. If you don't have your eyes fixed on him, the problems that come against you will take your eyes elsewhere. 
Why do you fall into sin? Why do you eat suddenly a dozen donuts when you aren't really hungry? Because I needed to pick myself up. What? I'm not just saying you took your eyes off Jesus at that moment, because I do like to have a donut every now and again. Krispy Kreme is very nice. But what I am saying is this. We need to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. We need to be looking at him. Because as we look at him, he carries us through. So when we're going, and wow, another thing's come. An email's come out of the blue. Or suddenly I'm sacked from my job. What do I do? I have to keep my eyes upon Jesus. And you know, sometimes faith, looking towards Jesus, means this. I'm literally blocking out everything else that's around me. There's all sorts of voices screaming at me. And it's not that you can't hear them, but you are choosing to focus upon Jesus. If I can give you a word that will help to carry you through, it's this. Build your dependency upon Jesus. Keep your eyes upon him. Because you know what? You can be going through the day and think, oh, I'm feeling down now. I don't know what's going on. It's a long while since I read the Bible. I don't even know whether I feel like reading the Bible. All of those things come up, but you keep... No, but I am going to remember and I'm going to focus upon Jesus. As you do that, you'll start to find other things start to fall in place. Suddenly you'll feel that word. Maybe... Even though that person annoyed you, you can release them and forgive them. You can have compassion upon them. You can find fresh strength. Whereas you are about to blow your top, you bring yourself under control. Self-control rises up. The Spirit of God rises up in you. But focus. Build a dependency and a focus upon Him. Because that will help you to carry you through. In Hebrews 12, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. We need to strengthen and establish our faith by reading the word, by fixing our eyes upon Jesus, and I just mentioned it briefly, by closing our ears or our minds to the enemy. For every one of you has the enemy screaming at you, more often than not, you didn't even know it was him. It's just voices. It's just stuff. I always think like that. The enemy wants to distract us because he wants us to feel like we're no good. He wants to feel like we're not going to make it. He wants us to feel like other things are so much more valuable. The truth is, when the end of time comes, all of your possessions, all of your savings, all of those things you've hoped for, your gold, your silver, whatever it is, it has no value at all. It cannot save you. In this world, yes, it brings us joy, it brings us comfort, there are things to adorn our fingers with or whatever, but it doesn't help us to get out of this world and to get to heaven. Only Jesus can do that. And when we get our perspectives right, we start to see that actually this hope that we have in Christ, it brings joy to us. It brings peace to us. It brings a security to us. I just want to proclaim a statement that Paul wrote over our lives, a blessing. This is found in Romans 15, verse 13. Let me just read this to you. And receive this yourself. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just read it once more. May the God, bands, you can come back please. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul was proclaiming that to the Romans that he was writing to. He was saying, this is my desire for you, that you would overflow with hope, that this knowledge of what God has done for you isn't just a passing thing, oh yeah, I'm religious, I go to church on a Sunday. No, 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 it does far more than that. It takes hold of your life on a Monday morning. It takes hold of your life on a Friday evening. It takes hold of your life on a Wednesday lunchtime. It is all the time. It's 24-7. He is for us and is the lifter of our heads and the lover of our souls. He is the strength of our lives. This hope that he is coming to take us to be with him. Many people do not have that hope. They do not know. But we have a hope that is steadfast in Christ. That he has gone to prepare a place for us. And that he is returning to find us, to take us, so that we can be with him forever. That is our hope in Christ. Amen.